Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterword is our weekly podcast where we talk to the teachers at Westgate Church and talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the weekend message. Often there's a lot of stuff on the cutting room floor and we like to dive into it. This week I've got Jay Kim with me. We are in the second temptation of Jesus. This week we're in the second temptation of Jesus. Uh, we've been in the series uh, in the book of Matthew, and we have been spending time in Matthew chapter 4 with the three temptations of Jesus. This is the second one where the tempter takes Jesus to the pinnacle at the top of the temple in Jerusalem and says, hey, if you're really God, go ahead and throw yourself off the temple. God's, of course, going to have to catch you because you're the Messiah, and um, you're the Son of God, so you're important to him, so he'll save you. And how Jesus responds is fascinating. And what Jesus uses to respond. He quotes the scripture. And uh, so we get into that, what it means, what it means for our lives, and uh, why this temptation is such a big deal. So with that, let's dive right in. So first of all, uh, just we're gonna do just a barrage of questions because I, oh. I just think it's interesting. Okay. Okay. So first off, my son said to me something very interesting. He said, "Hey, Jay's an author, right?" I said, "Yeah, Jay's an author." He's like, "Is that why he named his children after two publishing companies, <laughs> Simon <laughs> and Schuster and Harper One?" Yeah, that's right. I was like, "I, wow, I don't think that's the case." So I guess my son wants to know: Did you name your children after biblical characters? <laughs> Or, or publishing. Company. Well, Harper is not a biblical character, oh, that's so true. that's well. Simon clearly. is. Simon is. Yeah. Uh, no, but um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, so Harper, we named her Harper because uh, primarily my mother plays the harp. Oh, really? So we named her Harper as sort of an ode to her. Oh, wow! But also Harper Lee. Harper and, Lee and uh, famous author. Yes. To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah, and uh, and our Harper actually does really love to write, which is really cool. That is cool. Uh, she always says she wants to be an author someday. And then Simon, we named him Simon actually primarily because it's of its connection to the Hebrew word Shema. Yeah. And uh, you know, hear, listen to the voice of God, but. Fun fact about our family. Yes. We were very close to naming our son Truman, actually, not Simon, because Harper Lee and Truman Capote, Capote were, were best friends. Really, really good friends. Yeah. And uh but we decided against that. A very literary yes. naming. Yes. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't think people knew that. There you go, Justice. Oh, that, <laughs> he was wondering that. <laughs> Uh, second question, I don't know if you saw this, but Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, was suspended yes. for an entire year. Yeah, crazy. Because he placed a $1,500 bet on a couple of football games when right. he was on the physically unable to perform list. He yes. was on the IR. So he wasn't playing in the games, but then he bet on the games, including a game that Atlanta was involved in, or right. that's the team he plays for. Yep. Played. You, played. Probably. Well, well yeah. it, he's suspended for an entire year, lost $11 million. Crazy. You're, is that too strong of a judgment, a uh, punishment? Oh, man. I'm not ready for this question. Do you think that that's fair and just? Do you um, think that, 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 or do you think that the over, NFL overreacted? I mean, this gets, it, it ties back to like the Pete Rose it does. suspension, Hall of Fame, you know, all time hits leader in baseball, bet on games. 
Uh, gosh, I don't know. I guess my initial reaction was I don't think pro athletes should bet on sporting <laughs> events. It <laughs> just that they're participating in. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a bad. Luck. I mean, uh, well, eleven million dollars loss of salary. I mean, that's pretty big. But suspension, at least in terms of not playing for a year, seems kind of appropriate. But if you're I suspended for a year, you're going to lose your salary. Right. Well, that's football. In basketball, I think you're still paid because of uh, the uh, the collective, collective bargaining, bargaining agreement, mm-hmm. the way it's set up. I didn't know that the afterward had turned into a sports talk. It's it's show. not sports um, talk radio. The third pretty topic. interesting. I'm just warming you up here, Jay. Okay. Third question: uh, the price of gas. What are your thoughts? I love it. <laughs> I'm a big fan of paying six dollars a gallon. I just I've always felt like gasoline is really underappreciated, you know? <laughs> and I'm I'm happy to see gas kind of getting you know the love that it deserves. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, it's brutal. I mean it's just I, I this saw is crazy. Meme, I saw a meme the other day it said, uh, my wife and I, we finally got the loan. We're excited we're closing on the tank of gas next week. <laughs> No, I mean it's crazy. It's, it's, it's just, but you know, it's a complex global situation yes. right now. And uh, here's what I will say: yes. I mean, we're, what a grace that we're complaining about the price of gas as opposed amidst to all that's happening in Ukraine. The world. Yeah, so. yeah, good point. Well, uh, none of that had anything to do with anything. <laughs> just interesting. Here, uh, we are in the middle of Matthew. Uh, this is our fourth week. This is our second week in the Temptations. Yeah. Um, the temptation, not the temptations, like the Motown group. (laughs) The temptations of Jesus in case anyone out there was like confused. Why are they talking about my girl? (laughs) Wait, is that the Macaulay Culkin movie or the tip? See, now we're all over the place. So I got to be clear. Our listeners know that we need to be clear. Yes. So we're on the second temptation. Last week we talked, uh, I talked to Dana. Yeah. About the first temptation where um, the tempter comes and says, hey, turn these stones into bread. Now, before we go any further, we didn't really we weren't able to get into the whole tempter thing. We couldn't do um, a large amount of teaching on the idea of a corporal being yeah. that is from an unseen realm, a supernatural being right. showing up and speaking and trying to do bad things and get Jesus to be distracted and, and go down a dark road. We we're not, we didn't even go into that. So I know for a lot of folks, they're probably like, that seems insane, right? Yeah. For us, our modern ears, that does ring strange. Yeah. So it is strange. It is strange. We live in, uh, you know, a scientific age, post enlightenment. Um, if some, if something is not material, then it's not real. That's kind of our assumption. Right. For the most part, even though in our lived experiences, we know that that's not true. Right. The easiest sort of like most common example is, well, you can't measure or weigh hope or love or love or hate. Yeah. But very few people would deny the reality of Mm -hmm. those things. Uh, Some people, you know, like true hardcore materialists would say, well, that's just a name we've given to some chemical neuropathway um, yeah. firings. Yeah, but you know it's pretty tough to say that to a uh, mother, 
in terms of how she feels about yeah. her child or whatever. So it's just biological firings. Uh, well, um, right. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, are the biological firings, the physical sort of expression of a deep right. human, yeah. s- dare I say, spiritual <laughs> dare you you know, say. Yeah. reality. So, yeah, I get that. I mean, we've said this already. It feels like a cop out, but it's not. It's just it, it's just because it requires a lot of in-depth work. Uh, late summer of yeah. this year, we're going to do a whole series for, I think, in. four or five weeks yeah. on spiritual stuffs, the spiritual realm, spiritual yeah. warfare, the devil, Satan, you know, yeah. all that. The accuser. Demons, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, so, but you're right. We we do have to name the small elephant in the room. Like right. the devil is tempting Jesus. Right. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's, let's move. So the second temptation is um, a little different. The tempter, the accuser, Satan, takes Jesus to the pinnacle of the uh, temple. Yeah. The top of the temple in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. um, which would, you know, every Jewish listener would have been like, that's the holiest place in the world, right? Yeah. He says, throw yourself down and then quote Psalm 91. Yeah. New tactic from Satan. Mm. He's like learning. He's like an AI AI bot. (laughs) He, he's like he's learning what Learn- dave is not saying is that ai is satan no i am not saying that. <laughs> i'm just he's learning he's growing yeah uh, so he uses a different tactic yes quoting scripture but he twists it jesus counters with um saying hey don't test don't test god yeah um that's that's not the way this relationship works uh, one commentator that I read said that this was an example of um, he was trying to put it in human terms. Like, what is this temptation? Like, if the first one is I, I need to provide for myself because God won't provide. Like, I have to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way that that actually displeases God or is outside the way of God's will. Yeah. That the second temptation is actually use God for my own agenda. Mm. Or put my agenda ahead of God's. Right. How, how, is that how you see it? Is that a way to put it? Because there's a million different ways to talk about this. How, how do you how do you talk about this? Because there's so much in this story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Different commentators have sort of mapped on, um, you know, uh, big picture ideas to each of these temptations. Some commentators have tried to establish a coherent flow of how uh, the devil is you know, sort of progressing in his temptations of Jesus. Um, and all of that stuff is fascinating and interesting, and I think there's merit to a lot of it. Yeah, I do think that that take on it is uh, has some merit for sure, you know, when you expand um, maybe beneath the surface like what's happening in this story. Uh, what we talked about on Sunday, and, and it does apply to that sort of approach, what we talked about on Sunday is that you know, protection from harm um, uh, is about proximity to God. And, and that does translate to that, to that particular sort of assessment of this temptation, that this is in some ways a, a way to use God for our own agenda. Another way to put that would be that I go my way and my expectation is that God Will follow comes me. with me. Yeah. God follows me. And That's protects good. me along the way. Uh, sometimes I think the way it plays out is not just necessarily protection from harm, but protection from any deviation from my plan. So I have this plan for my life, or I have this plan for a particular endeavor that I'm yeah. going to pursue. 
And if God is good, if he's loving, if he's all powerful and capable, he'll make that happen. then he'll make that happen. Yeah. He will protect me from any deviation from my plan, you know? Right. So then when the business uh, opportunity falls apart or, you know, you don't get into the school that you knew you would get into right. or uh, anything bad, happens. anything like yeah. that. It feels like, wait, what? You yeah. know, I thought God was Psalm with 91. me. I thought I God thought, was with yeah, me. Yeah, I thought yeah. the angels would protect me and my foot would never strike against the rock. But it feels like my plan, plans have been dashed against the rocks and they've yeah. shattered in pieces. So what's going on here, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a way of thinking about it in, in a, a really helpful way because it's really applicable probably to, to our lives. We all make plans. We all have hopes and dreams for our lives. And even like for, for today, you know, I want to accomplish X, Y, and Z before the end of the day. And if God is good and he's loving and he's all powerful, he should protect my plan and I should be able to accomplish everything that I want to accomplish. One of the more powerful moments I've had is I had a real good friend. He's a really gifted businessman. He's entrepreneur. That's how just God made him. He's really Mm -hmm. good at, at making money at growing businesses. Mm -hmm. And he said, I realized, and this is a really big moment for him. It was several years ago. He had this kind of moment where he was doing a lot of work. God was really moving in his heart and changing him. And he said, I pray almost all the time that God would bless my business. Mm. And I have stopped. Mm. Instead, I've said, God, in my work, may I be united to you and may I bring good into the world. May I bless you. Yeah. Wow. And so that shift, I know yeah. it sounds like subtle, but basically it's like, who's in charge of my day? Yeah. Whose agenda am I following? Yeah. Uh, and that, that kind of, that's at least a part of this temptation right. or it feels like it's a slice. Yeah. But there's another slice, which is this really weird phrase. Don't test the Lord, your God. Right. Yeah. So like help people. Uh, how would you describe that to somebody who's like, what does it mean to test God? Because for example, I think about Gideon who put out a fleece. Yeah. Cause God asked him to do something very difficult. Gideon was very scared. When I think Gideon, I think Urkel, just so you know, <laughs> that's who I think of in my head because it says he was the least of his tribe yeah. and he's hiding out in a cave is like, who me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, but remember when Steve Urkel becomes Stefan Urkel, <laughs> and he was like super cool he and was hip. super cool and hip yeah. so but that's not the you're not thinking stefan arkell i am not you're thinking steve urkel i'm thinking steve urkel did i do that, that <laughs> yeah that, yeah, that guy yeah. with the suspenders uh so it, he he actually puts out a fleece because he's he's really afraid he's yeah. like did god really ask me to do that that seems like hey am i hearing right seems like a test it, it's I'm testing god he's definitely testing he, yeah. god um, I'm trying to think of other examples of, of people who tested God. Well, God himself says, test me and see when it comes to generosity. And so that feels yeah, kind of, so what's going on, what's going on there? Yeah. So is it okay to test God or is, <laughs> is that word test it, not the right word? For example, one of the things is we preach this often. We have to do a lot of linguistic work Yeah. because the, the paucity of the English language, it's not a problem with the Bible. It's a problem with words like like you've done this like the word love now yeah. today in our modern world just it's it requires a whole sermon just to get to the bottom of what does love mean right um so is what's going on with this word test as yeah. you as you see it yeah well linguistically it it gosh you know in english the word test is uh it can be fairly expansive yeah you know um it generally means the same thing, but it has uh, uh, an elasticity to it where uh, 
It can be positive or negative. Often it's just neutral. And I think in the Greek and the Hebrew, the word is pretty similar. So I'm not sure that just linguistic work, language work alone helps us a whole lot when it comes to this particular thing. Uh, I think what does help us a lot is something else we do a lot here. You do this great. You help our teachers do this really well, Dave, is not just language, but context, you know, and by context, um, sometimes that looks like big, broad sort of macro level context, like the Jewish worldview right? or um, the story of Israel in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, but actually here, in some ways, the context of the actual situation uh, can really help. So again, Gideon, he sort of, he tests God, you know. Um, but that's a sort of testing where he is seeking clarity on God's call and instruction. Right. As God, a, yeah, right. God has called him to do something. Right. Or when God says in the Hebrew scriptures, test me and see. Essentially, he says, like, be generous and test me and see whether I will follow me yeah. and see if it doesn't lead to life. Yeah. And I'll, ca- I'll care for you. And so be- in that test is, it's a, it's saying, oh, I'll obey God. And in doing so, I'm going to reap some blessings. And God initiates in all yes. those cases. Yes, he does. God is initiating a call on someone's life or on, on a people. Right. And what God is calling them to is quite risky. And it, it demands a step of faith. Right. And then in those cases for Gideon, especially as an example, it is a response to um, an extraordinary call from God. Right. right. Where Gideon is able to bring to God, uh, very honestly, his hesitation. And so he, you know, I'm using air quotes, he tests God. Like, right. God, this is scary. I've, I don't have enough men, you know? Right. I've got to know that this is you, so I'm going to put out the fleece. What and, is different about... God does not get mad at him. God does not get and, mad. And both times he kind of responds and answers yeah. his question. Yeah. What's different here in the wilderness temptation of Jesus and in what Jesus quotes, he quotes Deuteronomy 6. Right. Um, Which is a reference. It's to, a reference to another Exodus, story. Yeah. Uh, 16. And, 17. And what is what is consistent about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness here and uh the Exodus 17 story of the people sort of crying out for water in the wilderness uh what's consistent there is they're not testing God because God has called them to something extraordinary. The devil is trying to tempt Jesus to test God to initiate a test of God. Initiate a test of God's goodness his presence his ability prove that god's good yeah Yeah. and same thing in the wilderness for the israelites they're journeying sad thing is they had just seen god rescue them several times by splitting an ocean apart by providing water by uh literally raining down food from the heavens you know bread and meat in the form of it's rain and bread (laughs) hallelujah yeah and yet again, they say, oh, well, what's up? Is God with us or not? You know, like yeah. that's the, that's literally the test yeah. if you go yeah. to the story in Exodus right. 17. It's like they, that's, my, that's the J. Kim modern paraphrase. They essentially yeah, say, yeah. the story says they tested God by saying, so what's up? Is God with us or is he not? And that's the difference, you know? So is it okay to test God? I mean, yes and no. 
It, yes, if, when God calls you to something tremendous that is beyond anything you can imagine yourself doing, yeah, it's okay to be honest with God and say, God, I'm hesitant. This is scary. This is huge. You're calling me, you know, your friend who's a businessman. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to stop praying for God to bless my business. Well, that's really hard to do. Yeah. Because th- that's the equivalent of me as a parent saying, it's somewhat equivalent to me saying, you know, I'm going to stop asking God to um, bless my child and help my child become all that he can be. And instead, I'm going to pray, God, use my child to be a blessing in the world. Use my child to be able to... I mean, that that's like, okay, that's but my, everything in me wants to just pray for God's blessing like on him, Yeah, but it's a shift, right? Uh, so those are all examples of saying like, okay, God, I feel like you're asking me to do this. It feels risky. Uh, it feels scary. Or like, you know, I think of people who feel called to the mission field almost always. And I mean like the international mission field, right? Almost always their story entails some form of, I, did I hear right? Yeah. Like I I had to, and often what you'll hear from them is, so I just prayed to God, like, God, I, I don't usually do this, but please, like, give me a sign. I got to know that this is really you. You're literally asking me to uproot my entire life. And then I had coffee with a friend, and they shared these words with me, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's a different kind of testing. And I think God invites us into that. It's different when we're like, God, things are bad, so I don't know if you love me. You know, like. You better show up because if you don't, yeah exactly it's interesting because as you're talking about this it goes back to heart motivation so i think about uh a test the thing about like it says that jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit to be tested yep and then later on it said you know satan tempts or tests jesus yeah and so it's like there's two different types of tests and they they're dependent on which one's good and which one's bad by the motivations yeah. of the person doing the testing. Right. God That's is trying put it. God is trying to get give us an opportunity to grow and mature and then to believe and trust and obey that he's good and a provider. Yeah. Satan's trying to take everything. Yes. Trick he's trying to trick or the word for this in the Bible is often trap. It's yes. a trap. Yeah. So the motivation behind the tester matters. And in this one, the motivation behind the tester matters. Gideon was like, man, God, I want to follow you, but I'm scared. Would you help me, but help my unbelief? Yeah. Or even like, Mary, how can this be? Like, you just said I'm going to get pregnant. Yeah. Could you, could you give me a little bit more clarity yeah. on how that's going to happen? Or that father with a demon-possessed boy who right. says, "Help me, Lord, Master, if you can help him. And then Jesus is basically like, if? if? And then he's like, I believe, I believe help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Yeah. That, that, and, and Jesus like is okay with that. Yeah. He's okay with that. Yes. But the other side of that, the other heart of the tester is, oh, you didn't show up, God. Right. Oh, you, oh, no, no, you didn't. You better give me that, that kind of, I don't know what, it's a heart motivation. It's a yeah. heart. One is like, God, I trust you and I know you'll provide, but right now I'm hurting. So if the Israelites had in hum, I guess it's humility. Is it mm-hmm. humility? Yeah, I think I think humility is a key part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, the way you're talking about it, entitlement is one yeah, of those very toxic yep. sort of, I am entitled to the life I desire, free of harm and challenge and, and pain. trial yep. and pain and struggle. Yeah. And it is God's duty to ensure that life for me. And 
I will put him to the test. Are you going to do it or not, God? Are you going to ensure everything, wow. the, the safe, That's rough. you know, privileged, entitled life Man. I feel I deserve? And that lacks humility. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great thought, Dave. That might be a key component in how we sort of see these the differences in, in testing. And Jesus, of course, not only passes the test, but he says, you know, don't put your God, don't put God to the test. He's basically saying that's not the way this relationship works with my dad. Right. I don't go out on a on a tree branch and then saw off the tree branch and demand my father catch me. Yeah. He says, I later on, he says, I only do what my father tells me that's right to do. And then later on in the garden, of course, not my will, but yours be done. Yeah. So that's a model for us. Okay. How do modern folk, how do you and I do this? How do we get our attitude wrong? How do we probably individually, but maybe collectively test God? How do we get our attitudes wrong? Cause there's a way to, appeal to God and, and ask and pray. And then there's also a wrong way to do it right? by putting our agenda first. Yeah. How do we get this wrong? And, um, how have you seen this go wrong? Well, I think we've talked about it a little bit already. I think one of the ways it goes wrong is when we begin to, to subtly and insidiously believe that the Christian life is about God following me Oof. wherever I go. That's essentially what's happening here. God doesn't lead Jesus up to the pinnacle of the holy city, the temple. Uh, The devil does. Right. And then the devil says, throw yourself from here, and God will protect you. That's what Psalm 91 says. But God didn't lead Jesus there. The Father didn't lead him to that place. Now, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Um, mm-hmm. But from that point on, it's the devil sort of nudging Jesus along. And Jesus allows that because it gives him an opportunity in some ways to show us the way forward when the devil does the same to us. So I think that's a key difference that we've bought the lie that the Christian life is about God following me. And then ensuring the life that I long for myself. This is where health and wealth gospel comes yeah, from, the yeah. prosperity gospel. Yeah. This concept that if you become a Christian, you're going to be healthy and rich and no harm will befall you. Um, so I think, that's, I think that's a key piece. You know, uh, Dallas Willard puts it this way. He says, we have come to believe something along the lines of, We've come to believe that Jesus was crucified so we don't have to be. But rather, in truth, Jesus was crucified so that we might be crucified with him. You know, and we we had baptisms just a couple of weeks ago at Westgate. And it's a huge celebration, but it is it's a celebration because the person being baptized enters the waters before they rise from them. And I think in modern Western Christianity, again, we've bought this insidious lie that becoming a Christian means only rising up, 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 right? Up and to the right, you know, this sort of like my life will go up and to the right. It's like, no, actually, you're going to go down. Like you have to die, die to yourself, die to your hopes, die to your dreams, die to your ambitions, die to your selfishness, right? You die to those things. And then you rise again. You, you are born anew in the life of the kingdom. And in that kingdom, you are not king. 
but right, Jesus is king. No one follows you. We collectively follow our king. Right. And when we do that, when we make him our refuge and our dwelling place, then life will not be perfect. It will not be safe from things that will ail us, but we're, we're safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we'll be safe. Yeah. Um, our eternity is secure and God never leaves us. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's, that's powerful. Um, I'm reminded of, um, and this is something that you, um, when you first came on staff, you taught the Bonhoeffer book, Life Together. Yeah. Oh, was, was it Life Together? It was Life Together. It was Together. The Cost of Discipleship. Oh, The Cost of Discipleship. You're yeah. right. Life Together is the smaller volume yeah. of that community. Yeah. Uh, and, and in it, he says, whenever Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah, that's right. And that's kind of one of the, the foremost kind of thesis statements of yeah. Bonhoeffer's book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was also thinking about a book that we read as a staff. It was called Bad Religion, How We yeah. Became a Nation of Heretics by New York Times columnist Ross Thought, he said um, he was talking about how the idea that the God within heresy is that God wants to give me what I want, my desires, mm-hmm. and God's desires is a Venn diagram that's a circle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He says, um, these cultural voices are telling an affluent, appetite of society exactly what it wants to hear, that all its deepest desires are really God's desires, and he wouldn't dream of judging. Mm. And nothing defines the last decade of American life more than our inability to master our own impulses and our own desires. Mm. And it just, it, it ties, smokes. man, it ties right into that. And that's, uh, nobody wants to hear that. That is, a, it, when yeah. Jesus says, <laughs> hey, uh, pick up your cross, follow me, and, and come and die. That's actually, that's the worst slogan ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's saying, if you lose your life, this is what's incredible. Right. You actually find it. Yes. And you find the king whose kingdom is glorious. Yeah. And you find a place in that kingdom where you serve that king. And in doing so, you find life that you couldn't imagine. Yeah. Uh, by building your own kingdom. That's and that, right. that's in, that's a, it almost, that's, that's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And that's what we're inviting folks into. I think that's what Jesus is inviting us into as well yes oh man that's a lot okay any closing thoughts on the second temptation of jesus no i mean there's so much you know there's so much in all of these it's one of the reasons why we're taking a week on each temptation yeah 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 um so we close that out next next week and uh well here's my question i my my other question was: It does seem as though this week is perfect to just have like a picture or an animated thing, and then just put R. Kelly's "I Believe I Can Fly." Oh my god! Like right there, and just have Satan you singing that to Jesus. You can't say R. Kelly's name. Oh, you can't. Oh. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh man. But okay, from the Space Jam soundtrack, the yes. classic song "I Believe Very I Can classic. Fly." I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky. Have you seen Space Jam 2 with I, LeBron James? I my son and I attempted to watch it. Yeah. It was unwatchable. Oh, it was bad? It wasn't bad. It was horrific. Well, all right, Jay, thanks for being with us. Super appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, hope you all enjoyed the last ten minutes there. Thanks for being there, Jay, and uh we'll see you next week.
Okay. All right. See ya. Bye. Just want to thank Jay Kim for stopping by. Jay, thanks for the chat. And again, folks, we're sorry that we delved so much into sports. I tried to edit it out. I edited it out about 14 minutes. Uh, so just so you know, we, that's how long we, we went off the rails. So very sorry about that. Anyway, we'll see you next week where we talk and tackle the third and final temptation of Jesus. Steve Clifford and uh, Jay Kim will be here with us. And uh, that promises to be an awesome time as we finish up the temptations of Jesus and what we can learn from them. We'll see you next week.